0: The following program is recorded content created by The Truth Network. Wake up, everyone. It's time for The Steve Noble Show, where biblical Christianity meets the everyday issues of life in your home, at work, and even in politics. Steve is an ordinary man who believes in an extraordinary God, and on his show, there's plenty of grace and lots of truth, but no sacred cows. Call Steve now at 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Or check him out online
1: at the Noble Show.com. And now, here's your host, Steve Noble. So, when it comes to the issue of school choice, school choice, of course, the Noble family being subversive as it has been for all these years, uh, we go back all the way to our oldest son, who's now 27, getting married in a couple weeks. Uh, but he was in kindergarten and first grade at a private Christian school, and then we we're getting ready to add our next child in, our daughter. And that was a pretty high bar in terms of the amount of money to spend two kids to private Christian school. And so we ended up homeschooling. But for us, public school was really never an option early on as our kids got older. And we have one actually that's graduating from a public high school, but she's only gone two out of her four years to public high school. The rest of the time she was homeschooled. So for us, Uh, We took school choice to the ultimate uh, level and just did it ourselves as a homeschooling family for 17 or 18 years. But the vast majority of people in America do not have that luxury. They don't have the time. They don't have the uh, inclination, whatever the case may be. And so when you find out and see a movement around the country about school choice, which just uh, empowers parents to actually uh, have their tax dollars follow their children and have some freedom in terms of where your kids go to school, they're locked into the government school system. They go wherever the government says your kid's going to go to school. That's uh, usually not a great thing. So when you see states like Iowa and Utah State taking steps forward with this respect, you can hope and pray – that's just a small symbol of something that's going to happen across the nation. And uh, we're going to talk about that for a little bit today and some other things with respect to our youth. And then I'm going to spend the whole second half of the show talking about this CDC study that just came out, which is horrific, especially when it comes to teen girls. Uh, But Timothy Head is the executive director of Faith and Freedom Coalition. He's been on the show before. And of course, we've done a lot with Faith and Freedom Coalition here in North Carolina. Timothy, great to see you, man. How are you?
0: I'm doing really well. Thank you so much for having me and for talking about these issues.
1: Yeah, so this is, this is a big deal. I think a lot of people don't necessarily open their, their eyes and their minds on this particular topic, assuming that the government school system is just the way it is. It's set in stone and you go where they tell you to go. Uh, so when you see things happening like in Iowa and Utah, this is actually a huge deal. Well, it's a
0: huge deal uh, because, you know, I think a lot of parents and and frankly, even some people that that don't have kids in schools anymore in 2020, uh, either, you know, uh, curriculum or or, uh, assignments were were being sent home or, uh, you know, they were watching parents Mm -hmm. were watching their kids over a Zoom (laughs) a zoom link or whatever the case. And they, you know, the first day or two, they were like, well, that's a little odd. And seven, you know, seven months through the process, they were like, what the heck is going on here, man? <laughs> yeah. And So, um, the, uh, I think that that really, so that was kind of the, the, the business as usual. And then on top of that, we saw, you know, um, a lot of people, a lot of institutions that were very slow in wanting to, uh, to re, Um, uh, uh, renew kind of normal processes or whatever. And and, um, so, yeah, I mean, it it started this huge thing. I would say uh, West Virginia and Arizona were probably the first uh, uh, um, states to take pretty sizable school choice uh, legislative action. You just uh, alluded to uh, uh, Iowa and Utah just here in 2023 now have passed major, major bills. Uh, but some other places like North Carolina and like um, uh, Florida and like Georgia have taken some uh, more kind of education saving account types yeah. of approaches or maybe some tax credits, um, which is, you know, certainly better than nothing. And, and uh, but but, you know, now you're moving into the state of Texas, which is the the sort of in, in, in public education is the beast of, that kind of drives the market and all this stuff with millions and millions of kids across the state. And uh, the the most um, Uh, uh, like vibrant uh, effort at school choice is happening right now in the state legislature in Texas. And if that were to happen, uh, I think that you really might start to see the damn break.
1: Yeah. And so school choice, for those that might not be super familiar with the, with the term, uh, what does it mean generally? And then, of course, it's going to apply differently in each state. You mentioned North Carolina. We have like an opportunity scholarship. So if you're a lower income family, you can get some money uh, from the state, which is supposed to be tied to your tax dollars to so actually give you some choices in education. But generally, what does school choice cover? Well, you know, the name is is uh, sometimes these monikers
0: don't really do very well, <laughs> but I think the school choice, you know, moniker is not too bad. It it gives uh, parents ultimately the choice in where their kids go to school, and uh, so the the idea is uh, generally, you know, before some of the wokeism kind of crept in, it was it was really kind of tied to underperforming schools. So you know, maybe um, maybe there's there just a host of under of of. Uh, reasons why school districts or, or specific elementary or middle schools might perform uh, disproportionately lowly. It, it would allow um, parents to be able to, you know, once once they're, they're like rating systems yeah. for schools and uh, and and if if um, you know, different states do it a little bit differently, but if a school district or a school, you know, a particular middle school, for instance, uh, performs below like a C, a grade C for three consecutive years with no mitigation, um, then all of a sudden, it triggers the ability for parents to uh, to send their kid to a neighboring school, and either a public school or potentially a private school, depending on kind of how you live, uh, where, where you live, and um, and then you know that money would follow um, instead of your your neighborhood school that's that's failing, it, it follows your 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 son or daughter to um, to the school that they actually attend. So it's. Um, it, this has been kind of uh, um, uh, there's a continuum to this that's been yeah. moving in this direction for 30 years. Um, but uh, but I'd say it's really, really picked up steam in the last 10 or 12 years. And especially, like I said, since uh, since the year 2020.
1: Um, yeah.
0: We're uh, where the kind of the. the the um, Well, the Wizard of the, Oz had kind of the curtain pulled, pulled
1: back. Right. And you could start to see what was going on. A lot of parents are like, oh, what's happening here? So that's where you get even more freedom where it might be an ideological decision where you're like, okay, they're teaching all this woke stuff. They're teaching CRT. They're teaching the, the 1619 Project. Okay, enough. We're out. And, and I'd love to see the most aggressive programs, of course, are going to allow that talks, those tax dollars for a parent to flow wherever they want their kid to go. So whether that's another public school or a charter school or even a private school, a private Christian school – and in some cases, even homeschooling, because like when your kids are in high school, Timothy, at the, at the homeschool level, uh, like with our kids, I mean, you're spending you know, three, $4,000 a year on classes, on materials. And so to have that kind of uh, support with the money that you're paying into the system is a big deal. I want to talk about that and in, in kind of – finish up our conversation on that in the next segment we're up against the break right now but then also i want to turn to another thing that has to do with our children because i'm really talking about that for the whole show which i know you guys have been engaged in timothy head is the executive director at faith and freedom coalition fighting for our values all over the country but also what about gender affirming health care for kids that are under 18 that's a big problem as well but school choices first then we'll talk about that next when we come back right after this break It's not Saturday, it's Tuesday. Happy Hallmark Day to everybody. This is Steve Noble on the Steve Noble Show here today with Timothy Head, who's the Executive Director for Faith and Freedom Coalition, an outstanding uh, uh, Christian conservative organization all over the country in 24 states now and also acting uh, locally in legislative issues on a state-by-state basis. They were just here and uh, North Carolina last week. And uh, Timothy, it's great to have you on and thank you so much for all your work. FFcoalition.com is the website. Uh, but in 24 states since 2009, tremendous growth. There's a lot of work out there to do, to say the least. But give people just a primer on kind of what faith and freedom is all about right quick.
0: Yeah, great question. So, you know, one one of the ways we we sometimes say it is we, we work uh, towards public policy from a biblical worldview in a constitutional framework. Okay. So, uh, it's possible to have a biblical worldview, but not in a constitutional framework. And we have to be careful about government doing things that shouldn't do. Right. Also, you know, you can have kind of uh, uh, amoral, um, you know, not uh, um, not moral policies within a constitutional sure. framework. I so sure. believe it, that both of those have to go together. Um, we work in federal and as well as state um uh, policy and legislatures, and then we also are, are heavily engaged in uh, in, in election ci- cycles. So last last year in 2022, uh, our our teams in in 26 different states last year wow. knocked on 8.6 million doors. Oh, uh, those are those are faith-based voters to make sure that people aren't sitting home and and just kind of sitting on their barca lounger and complaining about. Yeah. Uh, how things are not going their way you got to get in the game and so we right. um, we're we're engaged both on the on the legislative side and on the grassroots mobilizing side.
1: Yeah and all that information you can catch at the website ffcoalition.com ffcoalition.com as in faith and freedom. Uh, on the school choice thing again this is really ultimate you mentioned going incremental here Timothy so at first uh mm-hmm. yeah and school choice could be just being able to choose the different schools that are near particular government school district. And then based on performance, I think one of the things that's great about school choice on that level is just forcing schools to perform. Because if a school doesn't perform, then they have another choice. They can compete. Some other school, you just go there and it forces the school to either get its act together or literally go out of business. And that's, that's a pretty healthy thing, isn't it? It's a healthy
0: thing, and, and you know, one of the reasons why we also kind of take an incremental approach is because uh, as, as more alternatives are, are kind of coming online, as, as new schools are starting or, or they're getting larger, it's, it's pretty hard to just start a, a brand-new school, you know, whole cloth, and so a lot of schools maybe will start like K through 5, and they'll do that for two or three years, and once they get their, their cohort moves through fifth grade, then they now we're sixth to eighth, you know, K, K through eighth. And so, um, you know, we, we work in a lot of states to try to say, hey, let's, you know, let's uh, appropriate a certain amount of money uh, in, in, you know, we, we've seen this in Georgia as an example, but Florida, another one, you know, we, we'll, let's start with $15 million. And then two years later, let's, let's move that to $35 million. And two years later, let's move that to $75 million because it allows not only certainly more students, but it also allows schools to actually build capacity yeah. and move faculty. You actually, interestingly enough, we're seeing a lot of faculty, that also are not exactly thrilled about what Mm -hmm. they're being required to do. You know, uh, I just want to teach, you know, Shakespeare. Don't make me do all of this other (laughs) stuff. I just want to teach, you know, geometry.
1: Not all the woke CRT uh, stuff.
0: Yeah. So a lot of these, uh, a lot of, you know, uh, maybe they're, maybe they're Christian um, uh, uh, teachers, but you know, some of them, they just, they just kind of, They don't like indoctrination. Yeah, Yeah. they They just have common sense. Yeah,
1: common sense and common decency. One of the things with school choice that everybody needs to remember is one of the segments of our population that's most interested in school choice are the people that are stuck in really bad schools. A lot of minorities, a lot of inner cities, poorer areas, they want school choice, and the party that says they're all for them won't give it to them. So it's really amazing mm-hmm. here that conservatives are like, we're going to do something here to help people in underprivileged areas, especially African Americans in underprivileged areas. School choice is great for them. It's great. And, uh, and, and the, the politics of, of this on the back
0: end um, really uh, originally is actually what won the governorship, uh, believe it or not, for Ron DeSantis uh, four years ago in his first run. That, uh, that the, the mayor at the time of Tallahassee, a uh, Democrat who's tied to the teacher union in Florida, uh, was literally going uh, around the state, saying that he was going to phase uh, to phase back and eventually repeal school choice. Well, there were 31,000 uh, Democrat registered Democrat mothers uh, who had their kids re- uh, registered in school choice programs, and um, and his name was Andrew Gillum. Uh, Gillum actually lost those. He lost about fifty-two forty-eight 48 for those mothers. So ironically enough, uh, the really the core, the base of the Democratic Party, uh, typically is African-American females, especially mothers, they flipped on DeSantis because Gillum was actually saying, I'm going to take those school choices. And they were like, You are not doing that to my kid. I don't care what you say. Yeah. I'm going with DeSantis, who actually was campaigning on expanding the program.
1: Yeah. So every Republican nationwide would be wise to get on the school choice bus And push it because not only is it good for everybody, but especially it's good for people that are stuck in really bad schools, especially African-Americans in the inner city type areas and then just poor areas in general. Uh, Switching gears here, Timothy, while I have you, let's talk briefly just about like Utah just banned gender affirming health care for transgender kids. There's 21 other states that are considering bills this year. I'm sure you guys are, are dealing with this as well. This is critical because right now we have institutionalized child abuse.
0: Well, unfortunately, it's uh, it's true. And, um, you know, uh, briefly back to the political piece, uh, ironically, this is actually one of the major um, uh, dynamics that led to uh, Governor Glenn Youngkin in uh, in Virginia. So, uh, you know, so uh, DeSantis, um, excuse me, uh, Trump struggled in in, and lost by about 10, just over 10 points in Virginia, literally just 12 months later. So this is not a generation uh, later, 12 months later, um, uh, Glenn Youngkin runs uh, particularly on, on school-related issues, uh, a lot of CRT-related issues, and even some of these issues that you're alluding to here. And he flipped the state yeah. and won by 2.5 points, a 12-and-a-half-point flip she, in amazing. 12 months. It's, um, and, and these are the issues that were actually driving that. So you're actually right, over 20 states um, either have already passed, moved through their legislature, or are they kind, of, you know, kind of slogging their way through. North Carolina is a longer legislative cycle this year. Um, And uh, but I I expect that probably uh, pretty close to all of those, probably 17 or 18 right now, I think we'll we'll pass some version of either banning or severe limitations uh, on uh, on this kind of um, these kinds of practices.
1: Now, is this this type of legislation, uh, Timothy, we're talking to Timothy Head, executive director for Faith and Freedom Coalition. Is this type of legislation only supported by a bunch of wacko Bible thumpers like us or I think this actually has much wider spread support than what the media might want you to believe.
0: Well, look, I mean, I don't, I don't, I couldn't even tell you what the media would want you to believe at this point <laughs> because I've just basically changed the channel, channel there. But yes, I mean, the, uh, you know, part of the reason, frankly, why over 20 states are moving on this is because the polling on this. Yeah. You know Let's just be very uh, blunt about it. Uh, it's not like um, you know, Senate and House leadership and all of these different states are just kind of swinging for the hip they've taken all kinds of public opinion polling and have been for really 24 months on these kinds of issues. And this is like 70, 80, you know, in several States, 90 plus percent. I mean, wow. as, as close almost as you're going to get to consensus as you can find, you know, I think that you, you wouldn't be able to even agree that the sky is blue in most of these States. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and they're actually, I mean, the medical community, you know, are, is coming out yeah. um, disavowing these practices um, you know, insurance. Even you know, insurance in, uh, insurance carriers are, right. are disavowing these practices. Thank it's goodness. just replete with all kinds of problems. And um, uh, you know, you hate to be. Uh, you, you wish that these were not even fights that well, we had to. Yeah, had of to course. Fight.
1: But that's why uh, Faith and Freedom Coalition exists to help us fight for these causes. Which uh, you don't have to be a Christian to understand these things. This is just good common sense. Timothy, thanks for being on, man. I appreciate you. Thanks for doing it. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, the Steve Noble Show. Great to be with you. Appreciate Timothy Head and the uh, Faith and Freedom Coalition. They're in 24 states, so go to their website, see if they're in your state, get involved. They'll really help you stay engaged and knowledgeable about what's happening in the legislatures in your state. And, uh, and then opportunities to engage and then ways to get educated and get involved every two years with the elections. Super, super important. They're doing an incredible job. It's amazing how many doors they're knocking on. They're really having a, a major impact. So you want to check that out, ffcoalition.com. They're very strong here in my own state of North Carolina. So excited about that. Uh, staying on the topic of our, our young people today, our youth, this, I heard about this the other day. <clears throat> and then i spent some time on the actual study that this first story is referencing out of the cdc just listen to this and then i'm going to unpack this some more and uh this is a this is a huge problem and it's getting worse every day and this is one of those times when i i'm not going to have an issue with the federal government using its power to get involved on this one. So I'm going to finish up with with that aspect of it here, but let me go to this story first from Axios, but this is in a bunch of different places. Teen girls engulfed, that's the word they use, engulfed in sadness and violence, new report says. Teen girls are experiencing record high levels of sadness and violence, according to a new report published Monday by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Now just stop there for a second. You do realize this is happening, don't you? I mean, especially if you pay attention, if you're ever on Twitter, if you're ever seeing what's going on, I mean, uh, if you go back 10 years, 12 years, 13 years, and the whole uh, phenomenon of cutting and then the amount of uh, people that are dealing with anxiety and depression, the amount of uh, kids on medication, all that stuff has gotten unbelievably bad. And it's and it's increased rapidly over the last ten or twelve years. Well, what major societal change started about twelve or or let me be specific, thirteen or fourteen years ago? Well, in my hand here, if you're watching on Facebook Live or Rumble, here in my hand you see my handy dandy iPhone 13. Okay, with a picture of our one of our our grandson on there. So. The iPhone 13, which means this is the 13th year I bought it last year. So this year, the iPhone 14 will come out. That's 14 years of iPhones. I think they skipped once at 10. So maybe it's 12 or 13 years. 12 or 13 years ago, you get smartphones going. And then social media comes along. It was before that, but then really took off with smartphones. So remember that in the background. I think we all know this is the deal. It's just horrific. I mean, I've seen these challenges with our own daughters and their friends This is all over the place. It's inside the church. It's outside the church. Nobody's immune because nobody's immune from this thing. Nobody's immune from this smartphone. Okay. Driving the news back to the Axios article. According to the report, 57% of teen girls in 2021 reported feeling persistently sad or hopeless. Now get your gospel on too. Because there is one thing that can help all of this. And that's a growing relationship with Christ, to know your creator through his son. So this is ultimately, like everything, a spiritual problem. And then the spiritual problem, which let's say as an iceberg is under the water, then what you see in the natural is above the water, but the bulk of the problem is under the water. It's spiritual. 57% of teen girls in 2021 reported feeling persistently sad or hopeless over the past year, up 36%. From 2011 and the highest rate seen in the last decade. By comparison, 29% of teen boys reported persistently sad or hopeless compared to 21% in 2011. So nowhere near the rate of growth, but still sad amongst boys. And then get this: this was interesting to me. LGBTQ plus students and students with same-sex partners also reported high levels of sadness and hopelessness in 2021, at 69% and 78%, respectively. So LGBTQ plus students, 69% feeling persistently sad or hopeless and 78% of students with same sex partners feeling persistently sad and hopeless. Uh, No kidding. Of course, you should understand that, right? Because you're cutting against God's natural order. Just going to cause all kinds of problems, and 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 remember this: this is, we're in a society now where the LGBTQ thing does not bring with it, largely, from a societal perspective, from a cultural perspective, largely this. You better stay in the closet, keep your head down, don't tell anybody. No, you've got about thirty-two percent of Gen Z now, between like fifteen and twenty-four, that identify as LGBTQIA plus thirty-two percent. So there's not a lot of shame there anymore on that one. Now there is some obviously and there's instances depending on the person and what they're experiencing there's that out there. But our culture is nowhere near as negative on that issue as it was before. You I mean you have gay characters and just about everything. So despite that they're still feeling persistently sad and hopeless. About 30% of teen girls said they had seriously considered attempting suicide up from 19% in 2011. And with LGBTQ students, 45% and 58% also reported seriously considering suicide. 18% of teen girls said they experienced some form of sexual violence in the past year. Like what's going on with that? Well, that's the porn culture, sexual violence. That's what's going on there. What they're saying, America's teen girls are engulfed in a growing wave of sadness, violence, and trauma, Deborah Howery, the CDC's chief medical officer, said at a press briefing on Monday. This is a week ago. Over the past decade, teens, especially girls, have experienced dramatic increases in experiences of violence, poor mental health, violence, and suicide risk. She added, the numbers are unprecedented, Kathleen Ethier, director of the CDC's Division of Adolescent and School Health, said uh, in an NBC report. Now I've got the actual study in front of me. Okay, this is the actual CDC study the particular portion because it's about an 80-page document. Focus area, mental health and suicidality. Okay? So let me just start here. This is the uh, the percentage of students who experience persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness. Okay? In 2011, it was 28%. This is all of them, male and female. In 2021, it's 42%. That's a 50% increase in 11 years. 50% increase in 10 years. Why? This. This thing. Right here. The iPhone, the smartphone, and social media. Seriously considered attempting suicide. It was 16% in 2011, 22% in 2021. That's a 38% increase. Made a suicide plan, 13% in 2011, 18% in 2021. I know what you're thinking. Oh, 13 to 18%. That, that, that's not too bad. That's a 38% increase. And attempted suicide. It was 8% in 2011 of teens. It was 10% in 2021. That's a 25% increase. And it's way worse for girls. Why? Social media, Instagram, TikTok, influencers, of which almost none of them are. In 2021, 42% of high school students felt so sad or hopeless almost every day for at least two weeks in a row that they stopped doing their usual activities. Now, what else was going on in 2020 and 2021? Oh, that's right. School shutdowns. Female students were more likely than male students to experience persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness. So that, persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness that would actually affect what they're doing with their time, the total was 42% in 2021. However, it was 57% amongst teen girls versus 29% amongst teen boys. So amongst teen girls, 57% of them in 2021. Felt so sad or hopeless almost every day for at least two weeks that they stopped doing their usual activities. So we shut them down and made their social media use even worse. Which is every person that agreed with school shutdowns from Fauci on down, every single one of you, one day you're going to face God. You're going to face judgment. And unless you have Jesus that's going to get in between you and the wrath of God, you will experience that wrath personally forever. And with respect to what we've done to our kids on that issue, not to sound heartless, but you deserve it. And that's just going by what Jesus said about those who lead little ones astray. So for females, get this. Again, persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness. 36% in 2011 to 57% 10 years later. It's a nightmare. Poor mental health in 2021, 29% of high school students experienced poor mental health during the past 30 days. But for females, it was 41% seriously considered attempting suicide in 2021, 22% of high school students seriously considered attempting suicide during the past year. That was, but that was 30% amongst the female population, female teenagers, 30%, nearly a third. God help us nearly a third. In 2021, considered attempting suicide, nearly a third, which skyrocketed by over, almost 40% in the last 10 years. I mean, it's 50% for girls. It was 19% seriously considered attempting suicide in 2011. It was 37%. It was 30% in 2021. That's an increase of 50%. It went up 50% seriously considering attempting suicide. Made a suicide plan. In 2021, 18% of high school students, 18% made a suicide plan. But for girls, it's 24%, a quarter. A quarter of our teenage girls in 2021 made a suicide plan. And you think the answer is in the White House? It isn't. But there is something D.C. can do about it that's pretty radical, but I think needs to be done. We'll talk about that when we come back. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, the Steve Noble Show, talking about something that we simply cannot talk about enough and we should talk about more often. Uh, it's what's going on to our with our teens in terms of mental health and suicide. That's why I've been uh, taking you through some of the aspects from the CDC report. Just looking at 2021, that's an absolute nightmare. Just some highlights or lowlights here. 57% of teen girls in 2021 reported feeling persistently sad or hopeless. Up from 36% in 2011. Okay, so this is these, these the changes here are massive. Okay, so experience persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness. In 2011, it was 28% of teens. Uh, now it's 42%. That's a 50% increase. Seriously considered attempting suicide in the last 10 years, up 38%. Made a suicide plan, up 38%. Attempted suicide, up 25%. And then when you get into the girl's side of it, it's way worse. So persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness, enough that they stop doing their usual activities. Okay, a lot of us can probably relate to that, either our children or our grandchildren. 57% of teen girls fit into that, 57%. Seriously, uh, poor mental health in general, Uh, 41% of teen girls in 2021. Seriously considered considered attempting suicide, 30% of teen girls in 2021, 30%, nearly a third. Made a suicide plan. 24% of teen girls in 2021 actually made a suicide plan. And our, and our suicide rates, the actual suicide rates are up. Attempted suicide. In 2021, 10% of high school students attempted suicide. So 22% made a plan, thought about seriously thought about doing it. 18% made a plan. But 10% actually attempted suicide one or more times during the past year. Ten percent total, and for girls, it was 13 percent. Actually attempted suicide. So obviously, the suicide rate, the actual completion, successful suicide rate, if you will, uh, is up. Attempted suicide for girls, up 30 percent in the last 10 years. 30 percent. What's going on here? What's the deal with that? Well, I think it's this thing. I think it's the smartphone. And then, if they're not using the smartphone, then they're online on a regular computer, desktop, iPad, whatever. And they're on TikTok and they're on Instagram. They're not on Twitter. Teenagers aren't on Twitter, by the way, FYI. So you know that. Twitter and Facebook are for old people like us, Instagram, Snapchat, and now TikTok. TikTok is where you find young people, not even YouTube anymore. Most of them TikTok. You know, and I ask these questions with my students every week. The overwhelming majority of them TikTok, so we have some uh, issues there, obviously with Chinese involvement with TikTok. But all these numbers got worse in the last ten years because social media took off and smartphone proliferated, and then we shut schools down. I mentioned that before the break. We shut schools down in uh, 2020, in the spring of 2020, in the fall of 2020, in the spring of 2021, in the Some of them, the fall of 2020, on and on and on it goes. So then they spend even more time on their phones and on social media where you're comparing yourself to a lie, basically. You're comparing yourself to a lie based on likes or follows or the size of the audience. Social media influencers, you're you're not an influencer. And if you're not an influencer, that means because you have no influence because you got nothing to bear. You bring nothing to bear. No, why would anybody follow you? You can't garner a crowd. You can't even get 50 likes on your best picture, which tells you you're a loser and you're ugly. You're unworthy because they're looking to the world and, you know, the devil, I use the D word, the devil loves this kill, steal and destroy, right? He comes to kill, steal and destroy. That's his deal. He loves this. Oh, yeah, your, your, your self-worth wasn't established, number one, in the fact that you're made in the image of God, and number two, the fact that the, the God who created you and, and, and uh, marked you with his image also was willing to die for you. You want to get your ultimate self, self-worth. you got to go back to the Middle East 2,000 years ago. That's where you find your self-worth, on a cross, when the God who made you and everything else loved you so much. You're, so, you're worth so much to him that he's willing to die for you. You didn't even ask for it, and you weren't even interested. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So if you look to the world, this is what happens. And then we bring the world into the palm of your hand, in your car, in your backpack, in your pocket, 24-7, waking up in the middle of the night. You took the best picture you've ever taken of yourself. A great picture. You throw it up there on Instagram or whatever. And every 30 minutes you check back and you couldn't get more than 50 likes. And you only have, you know, 322 people that follow you on Instagram. You could only get 50 likes. So obviously you're a loser. And that might not even be in the front of their mind, but that's the message that it's getting, right, that they're getting. So let's go to this. GOP bill bans kids under 16 from social media to save them from dangerous emotional distress. Representative Chris Stewart is leading the charge to stop the declining mental health of America's youth. The new bill from Representative Chris Stewart would bar social media companies from allowing children under the age of 16 to use their platforms in an attempt to help save the declining mental health of America's youth due to an increased use of TikTok, Instagram, and other addictive media apps. They are addictive. They're designed to be addictive. All these big social media companies all have psychologists on staff. And they design everything about this for maximum pull, retention. How do I keep people, how do I keep you on and coming back so I can run ads in front of you and that's how I make money? Stewart, a Republican from Utah, Introduced the Social Media Child Protection Act. God bless him. Which would require big tech companies to verify the age of their users, including by using methods such as ID verification. It would also give states the authority to bring civil lawsuits on behalf of residents if a company violates the age limit restrictions and creates a private right of action. They should do this with the porn industry as well. For parents on behalf of their children. In addition, the Federal Trade Commission would be in charge of holding big tech companies to account and enforcing fines if violations occur. I know we get nervous about government intrusion. Believe me, I teach that every week. But in some cases, you need the power of the government to enforce things. Uh, Stewart told uh, Fox News Digital the idea for the legislation came from a personal experience of a family friend who had a 16-year-old daughter whose last action was to leave a message for a suicide prevention hotline before taking her own life. The congressman, a former Air Force pilot, worked to establish the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, which also helps a great number of U.S. veterans. After the 988 number was set up, Stewart turned to another crisis that he said is fueling the mental health crisis nationwide. Access to addictive social media at too young of an age. Amen. He said the issue first emerged in 2012 when Facebook bought Instagram and began marketing to young girls and then to young men. And they have, by the way, admitted that. Which, of course, led to an increase of young Americans' access to what the congressman describes as emotional heroin. Isn't that for sure? Quote, this bill is protecting them from the environment itself and protecting them from the overall immersion that just swallows them up and begins to destroy their value or sense of self-worth. It destroys their sense of hope in the future and makes them feel like, you know, everyone is happy except for me. Why aren't I happy? I mean, it's just a whole list of emotional distresses, and that's primarily our focus, he said. He pointed to President Biden's recent op-ed in the Wall Street Journal that said big tech accountability is an area where, quote, Congress can find some common ground, unquote, as companies are, quote, pushing content to children that threatens their mental health and safety, unquote. I agree with you there, Joe. Absolutely. We must hold social media companies accountable for the experiment they are running on our children for profit, said Biden. Amen, sir. I'm with you. The introduction of the new bill comes just days after U.S. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy said children under the age of 13 are too young to be on social media because children are still developing their identity. Which is why the whole gender thing is a nightmare and straight from the pit of hell. Not saying gender dysphoria doesn't exist. It does. It needs counseling and help, not a scalpel and drugs. Not hormone treatment. Not scalpel. Not a double mastectomy at 13. That's child abuse. Quote, I personally, based on the data I've seen, believe that 13 is too early. This is Murphy. It's a time where it's really important for us to be thoughtful about what's going into how they think about their own self-worth and their relationship. And the skewed and often distorted environment of social media often does a disservice to many of those children, if not all of them, I would add. So what do we do with this? I mean, parents, grandparents, you're not going to win a popularity contest here, but who cares? And I would love to see Congress get together on this and actually force social media companies, to, all of them, if you're going to do any business in America, then you're going to have to have verification. Maybe you need parental consent to verify that, that the kid getting the app is at least 16, maybe even older. But you got to have some kind of ironclad thing. And if they're making it available to kids, you go after them. Use the power of the federal government. Act. This is where you actually use the Department of Justice in a good way. And you go after them. Because by allowing these things to happen, we're literally complicit in the emotional, mental, and physical destruction of the next generation. I mean, we kill them in the womb, so what's a big deal about watching them suffer once they're born and hit the teen years? That's how reprobate it can be. But I'm, I'm fully in support of this. I hope the GOP gets in there and the Democrats wake up and they all get involved with this and say, yep. We've got, to, we've got to do something about social media because it is. The numbers show you this. It's destroying. It's leading them down the road to destruction, mental, emotional, and physical. And then ultimately setting all that aside. You can ban social media all you want, stay off TikTok all you want. But if a young person, a middle-aged person, or an old person doesn't meet the Lord, there ain't a whole lot ultimately that you can do, which is why we have to continue to preach the full counsel of God's word. Share the gospel. Live the gospel out to the best of our ability. Point people to Jesus. Because you if you're going to the world to find your satisfaction and your contentment, you're hosed. You have to go to your creator through his son, your savior. Other than that, everything's temporary and will fall apart. Your house is built on the sand instead of the rock. Pray about this. Get involved. Pay attention. Make hard decisions if we love our children. This is Steve Noble on The Steve Noble Show. God willing, I'll talk to you again real soon. And like my dad always used to say, ever forward.
0: Another program powered by the Truth Network.